Christians are sometimes criticized for not practicing what they preach. Trent Griffith agrees. We're all recovering hypocrites. We're just the ones that have taken off the mask and is like, yeah, that's me. It's like there's a little Pharisee in there and Jesus is talking to me. I'm not concerned about all these other hypocrites out there. It's, it's me. I'm the one. Jesus, you've got to do a work of grace in my own heart. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, the Chinese calendar might say that 2020 is the year of the rat, but I think I'd like to call it the year of the mask. And if you'd ask any of us just a year ago what we thought this year would be like, I don't think anyone would have predicted what we actually got. Masks, they've suddenly played a big role in our everyday lives, haven't they? And actually, now that the weather's turning colder, I don't mind walking across the parking lot in the cold wind wearing one. Do you? By the way, what's with the summer temperatures in November? I don't get it. Well, today on Resonate, Pastor Trent is going to talk about a different kind of mask that we get really good hiding behind. It's not a literal mask. It's the mask of pretending to be something on the outside, when on the inside, we're really not like that at all. And thankfully, there's a solution. Here's Pastor Trent with more. We're going to try to diagnose some hypocrisy in this room, all right? It's going to hurt a little. Trust me, we're going to get through this. Here's my question to you. First of all, do I mask my internal condition with external performance? Again, Jesus is speaking with these Pharisees. They've invited him over for dinner. They want to be close to Jesus. They want to be known as friends of Jesus. And yet in verse 39, Jesus confronts their hypocrisy. They're upset at him because he didn't wash his hands. He's upset at them because they wouldn't wash their hearts. Verse 39, the Lord said to them, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? You want to cure it? Give alms. Alms is another word for offerings. Give as offerings those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. You know what he's saying? The offering that God wants is your heart. And if God gets your heart, he'll get all that external stuff too. But it's a matter of the heart. But see, hypocrites play games with what's on the outside. They hide what's on the inside by doing things on the outside. Number two, do I hide my lack of love for God and others behind calculated religious duty? Verse 42, but woe to you Pharisees. You tithe mint and rue and every herb. Did you do that? Have you ever gone through your spice rack and like taken the salt shaker? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That one belongs to God. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That one belongs to God. You ever done that? That's what these guys did. Um, I don't really know what rue is. It's some type of herb or spice or something. I do know what mint is. We have a mint bush in our backyard and I tied this morning. So I'm going to be putting this in the offering because I want to make sure that 10% of everything, like grass clippings, leaves, you know, that come off the yard, I'm going to make sure I'm going to bring all those to God. And the Pharisees literally thought they were 
godly because of that. And Jesus, notice, he doesn't rebuke them for tithing. He doesn't say you shouldn't do that. Notice what he says. He says, you neglect justice and the love of God. How do you measure the amount of justice and the amount of love of God that you give? You give justice to others. You give love to God. You give love to others. That's immeasurable. You can't count that. I wish it was as easy as this. It's not that easy. He says, these you ought to have done. The tithing, great, super. You should give without neglecting the weightier matters of the heart. It's much harder to show love toward unlovable people than it is to give a grass clipping to Jesus. And so the first one doesn't involve the heart. The second one does. If, if you're going to do what God wants, you have to go beyond just simply calculated religious duty. It's not just serving. It's not just volunteering. It's not just showing up. It's not just about your time. It's not just about your money. It's about your heart. Number three, does my prominence with men disguise my lack of peace with God? Look at verse 43. He says, woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. What they wanted was the praise of men. They wanted to claim, they wanted to be prominent. And not only when they were in church, but when they were out in the marketplace. Listen, if you have any kind of title at all, do you have a title? You are prone to hypocrisy because you can think the title gives you a standing before God simply because you have a standing before men. Number four, am I afraid of others finding out about my spiritual condition? Am I afraid of others finding out about my spiritual condition? Verse 44, woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. For a Jew to come in contact with a dead body, or even to walk too close to a grave, made him ceremonially unclean. That means he couldn't go to the place of worship until he was cleansed. And yet Jesus is comparing these Pharisees because of their hypocrisy as the walking dead. They are zombies. They're scary and they're infectious. They're, they're poisonous. And everybody that comes in contact with them are becoming unclean. And, and it says they, they're like unmarked graves. In other words, they should be warning people how dangerous they are. And yet, they don't tell anybody. They keep the mask on, they pretend to be alive, and yet they're dead. That's what hypocrites do. Hypocrites never admit the true condition of their heart. Hypocrites never present their weakness or their need. Hypocrites only present their strengths. Hypocrites never admit that they are incompetent to handle the daily pressures of life, of ministry, of leadership. That's why people in positions of leadership are prone to hypocrisy because we feel like we always have to present our strength. We always have to look the best. We always have to model the behavior for everybody else even though we don't want to behave that way. And we always have to present the right image. We have to have the perfect family 
family. We have to present ourselves as like having the perfect marriage. This is a temptation for Andrew and I because, you know, we're privileged. We get to lead these family life weekend to remember marriage getaways, you know, and thousands of people show up to hear Andrea and I tell them how to do marriage. And if we're not careful, we could actually present like our family every weekend at our home is a weekend to remember. <laughs> Just filled with love and sensitivity and compassion and romance. And, and man, you should see our performances as parents. All the children ride in line and they come and just give us gracious love and, and, and honor and bow down and serve in every way. And, and I just want to take the mask off. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's not like that. I mean, there, Andrea has to look at me and say, I don't like you. Don't like the way you talk to me. I don't like your tone. And I look back at her. It's like, well, if you were a little tougher, you could receive stronger speech, you know. And, and it's like, and the best conversations take place at Cracker Barrel because you can't get too heated at Cracker Barrel. They throw you out, you know, because people are watching and stuff. So we did that on Friday. So anyway, I'm just, I'm just taking the mask off, okay? I just want you to know we don't have it all together. And neither do you. And so we've got to take the mask off. Don't be afraid. That's why small groups are so important because in here you can pretend, you can pass in and out and just never get confronted. Being in your small group, you eyeball to eyeball. It's like, yeah, I really can't hide about that, can I? So how can I pray for you? Well, no, I'm good. No, you're lying. You're a hypocrite. What's going on? You know, how can we pray for you? So this is why it's so important. Number five, do my legalistic demands of others cover my own disobedience? Verse 45, one of the lawyers answered him. Now notice, this is a different group. We've got the Pharisees, now we've got a different group, the lawyers. These were the scribes, kind of different political party, had a different twist and a bent and different traditions. And the lawyers answered him and said, teacher, in saying these things to the Pharisees, you insult us also. And Jesus said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to be offensive. I didn't realize I was coming across like a club. I was just trying to be a spatula. No, that's, is that what your Bible says? That's not what my Bible says. I'm just trying to make sure you're paying attention. Verse 46, and Jesus said, woe to you, lawyers, also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. That word burdens there, it's the word for cargo, like a ship would carry cargo. These heavy burdens, rules, and principles to condemn and produce guilt and shame because you could never measure up. That's what hypocrites do, right? Hypocrites are inconsistent in how they apply the truth. Hypocrites view everybody else through a microscope while they view themselves, they won't even look in the mirror. They have higher standards for everybody else than they have for themselves. And, and what's worse, the worst thing about hypocrites is they elevate their personal preferences to the place of biblical absolutes. And then they condemn and shame people for not practicing their personal preferences. Things like the way you dress, the music you listen to, what kind of school you send your kids to, how you parent your kids, what holidays you practice and don't practice, what you do with food and 
whether you eat gluten or whether you spend time in the gym or what Bible translation you use or how you spend your money, all these things. Listen, the, the Bible speaks to, to many of those things, but not all. And so often we, we create these codes of conduct. And if you don't fit through that very narrow gate, you're excluded. So my question is, are you quick to find fault in others while you excuse your own behavior? Do you withhold grace from others, but you love to say, well, give me grace? Are you quick to require more of others than God actually requires? That's what hypocrites do. Number six, do I sit through the preaching of God's word unmoved while thinking of so many others who need to repent? Some of you are loving this message and you're praying for your husband or your wife or your children or your parents or your pastor to get this. You're taking meticulous notes because you're going to go call a family meeting tonight with the family and say, look, y'all need to straighten up around here. That, that's what a hypocrite does. And I want you to notice that's what these hypocrites did. Look at verse 47. It's interesting. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. Jesus is referring back to the way the Old Testament prophets who were bold and courageous to confront them and their sin. Do you know what the most religious, legalistic people did with those prophets? They eliminated them because they didn't want to receive rebuke. They didn't want to take off the mask. And now these Pharisees, you know what these guys actually did? They loved to build monuments and tombs and decorate and honor the Old Testament prophets that spoke truth, even though their fathers killed them. So be careful when you're in a building project that you're not a hypocrite. And notice verse 48, so you are witnesses and you consent to their deeds of your fathers for they killed them and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. Now Jesus is pointing forward to some other prophets and some other apostles. Interesting word, it's used here in the gospel. It is pointing forward to some of the the preachers and the apostles that are going to write the New Testament. And then in verse 50, it says, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel. Remember Abel? He was the first one killed in the Bible. First one murdered in the, in the Old Testament. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, he was the last one recorded, murdered in the Old Testament. So, from A to Z, who perish between the altar and the sanctuary, where, yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Do you know what he's saying? Jesus is saying the message of those prophets that you killed is the same message of this prophet that's speaking to you right now. Those Old Testament prophets were pointing to this prophet, Jesus. It's the same message and you didn't receive them, that's why you're not receiving me, even though you pretend like you honor those prophets. And ultimately, Jesus is saying, it's not their blood that matters, it's mine. 
And if somehow we can sit through a service thinking somebody else is more responsible for the shed blood of Jesus than I am, you miss the point. If somehow you have forgotten that you are responsible for the murder of Jesus by your sin, when you're thinking about some other sinner that has sinned in some grievous way that somehow brought pain to Jesus, you've missed the point. There is no one more responsible for the death of Jesus than me. And Jesus is looking at those guys like, you're responsible for their death and you're going to be responsible for mine. It's going to be required of you at the judgment. If you don't repent, if you don't turn from your hypocrisy, and if you don't listen to the wisdom of God. Here's the last question. Have I made entrance into the kingdom of God more difficult than it actually is? Verse 52. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge and you did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. What's the key of knowledge? Simple, it's the gospel. It's the whole message of scripture. It's the message of the prophets. It's the message of Jesus. It's the message of God. It's the fact that there is a kingdom that you are shut out from. You are either in the kingdom or out of the kingdom. There's only one way into the kingdom. It's through Jesus. What's the key that unlocks the door into the kingdom? It's the gospel. It's the fact that we're all sinners. We're all hypocrites. We all need to come and throw ourselves on the mercy of God. And what Jesus did on that cross was for every hypocrite who will come and simply admit, I haven't practiced what I've preached. Isn't this paradoxical? The only way to cure hypocrisy is to admit you're a hypocrite. People say, oh, all those hypocrites down there at the church. Here's the paradox. You can't be a member of this church unless you're willing to admit you're a hypocrite. Only hypocrites allowed. We're all recovering hypocrites. We're just the ones that have taken off the mask and is like, yeah, that's me. It's like there's a little Pharisee in there and Jesus is talking to me. I'm not concerned about all these other hypocrites out there. It's, it's me. I'm the one. Jesus, you've got to do a work of grace in my own heart. That's what the world wants us to do. What's the, what's, what are the cures? What, what do you do with hypocrisy? If we're all hypocrites, there's only three options. Here's, here's option number one. If you don't want to be a hypocrite, you don't ever want to be accused of being a hypocrite. Option one, stop preaching. Just don't ever claim anything to be true. Don't ever try to persuade someone. Don't ever try to help someone. Don't ever try to motivate someone to change their behavior. If you do that and just say there is no truth, it's all relative, live and let live, you won't ever get accused of being a hypocrite because you'll never say anything that is transcendent. You'll never say anything that's true, that's given by God. It, all for option one? No, can't do that. Because there is truth, God has spoken, and he's given us a message, it's in the scripture, and it's our responsibility to distribute. So option number two, start practicing what you preach. All in favor of practicing what you preach, is that a good option? Yes, that's a good option. All you have to do to avoid being a hypocrite is perfectly practice everything you have ever preached. Is that still a good option? How many of you think you got a chance of doing that like in the next 10 minutes? 
All right, so if we're not perfectly going to be able to practice everything we preach, what's the only other option? Stop pretending that you can perfectly practice everything you preach and come to Jesus, who was the only one who ever practiced everything he preached, and say, I'm with him and his life, his practice is now become my substitute for all the times that I haven't practiced what I've preached. Isn't it ironic? The moment you admit your hypocrisy, you move out of the crowd of hypocrisy into the kingdom of authenticity. And you just continue to come and you continue to gain grace and you continue to take off the mask. But we have to stop pretending to be something we are not. I want us to stand together, heads bowed, eyes closed. Don't get distracted. Before we leave here today and just a simple prayer to the Lord, would you ask the Lord to show you where you're wearing a mask. Jesus said there is nothing that's covered. Do you, do you get it? Do you get what he's saying? There's nothing that, that's covered that's not going to be made known. There's nothing that's hidden that's not gonna be revealed. Everything that's spoken in secret is going to be heard in the light. What is he saying? He's saying one day he's gonna rip off the mask. At the judgment, who you really are will be known. Wouldn't it be better for you to rip off the mask now than for God to rip off the mask in judgment? Would you humble yourself and say, Lord, I, I'm tired of pointing my finger at all the hypocrites in my life. It's me. I haven't practiced what I've preached. Lord, we come to you humble, broken. There's residual Pharisees that live inside of each one of us. It's a poison. It's, it's a bacteria that grows. It infects me. It infects my family. God, would you, would you peel back the layer? Would you bring healing? Thank you for your word that exposes us. I pray that you'd make us a gracious people that are just simply walking in your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without fall apart you're the one that guides my heart Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I 
Hypocrites are quick to notice how much others need the Lord, but not so much for themselves. That's the worship initiative and Shane and Shane confessing that need to God. Before that, we heard Trent Griffith of Gospel City Church talking about unmasking hypocrisy. So do you get together in a group where you can be open and transparent? It's something that all of us need. We need to be able to feel safe when we're vulnerable And I hope you have close brothers and sisters in Christ who can help you along these lines. Well, Trent mentioned small groups at Gospel City Church, and this is a key component of how we go about making disciples in our church. It's key to helping us take off our masks and get real with others. Would you like to worship with us at Gospel City? You're more than welcome. We gather in both Granger, Indiana and in Elkhart County. You can find out more when you head over to our website, mygospelcity.org. Just click where it says, I'm new here. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And why not follow us on Facebook for more encouraging content? You can do so by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, next week on Resonate, you're going to be reminded of your value in God's eyes. And it's so encouraging. I hope you'll join us then. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word and His authenticity would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.